Come on, let's just pray. If you're comfortable, if it's not too much of a stretch for you, can you just lift your hands this morning? If, if you don't want to lift your hands, that's okay. But if you, if, if you want to be where God wants you to be, and if it's comfortable for you, can you just lift your hands? God, we thank you. We thank you, God, and we lift our hands as a sign of surrender. God, we just want to be where you are. God, we just want to do what you do. We just want to go where you want us to go. God, we just want you to get the most out of our life that is possible while you have blessed us with the gift of life in this world. And so, God, we pause right now before we enter into a time of the word. God, we just want to surrender. We just want to submit. God, there are some people under the sound of my voice this morning that came in heavy, that came in with burdens, that came in with grief, that came in with sorrow. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus as they lift their hands that you would take that weight off of them and let them be where you are. God, you said in your word that you inhabit the praises of your people. And so, God, you literally said that you will make your throne on top of my praise and on top of my worship. And God, we want your presence. God, we need your power to relieve us from our burdens, to relieve us from our grief, to relieve us from our baggage, to relieve us from our guilt. And so, God, we lift our hands and we give you our worship and our praise because we need your throne to be set up in our life. God, we thank you so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. And that on the third day, he got up from the grave with all power in his hands, power over sin, power over death, power over my shame, power over my guilt. And so, God, we call on that power this morning because all we want is to be where you are. God, we thank you. We love you. We worship you. We magnify you. We exalt you. All those are just fancy words for us to say, God, we appreciate you. Let us never forget what you have done for us. Even if we're going through right now, we can't see a way. God, remind us of your resume, that you have never failed your people, that you have never failed me yet. And so God, even in the moments where I can't see my way out, help me to respond by what I know about you. Even when I can't see your face, help me to trust your faithfulness, that you have never lost a case, you have never lost a battle. And so God, we thank you so much. Before we say anything else this morning in your word, God, we just want to say thank you. God, we love you. Now speak to us through your word. God, I pray that you would hide me, your servant, behind the foot of the cross so that your people will see me but hear you. God, we love you, we thank you, and we worship you. And we pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, who is the Christ. And let the church say amen, amen. And amen. Do me a favor real quick. Don't leave your seat. Just high five somebody on your row and tell them, welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Don't move. Don't move. Because I know how you get. If I say get up, it'll take 15 minutes for us to stop, fellas. You got to love it, though. You got to love that there's so much love in the room that I have to restrict your movement. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Well, if this is your first time with us, this is Tri-Cities Church. I'm Lamar. I'm one of the pastors here. So many other wonderful pastors and elders and leaders of this church. So on behalf of them, I want to say welcome to Tri-Cities Church. If this is your first, second, maybe third time, you never fit out a connection card in front of you in your seat, there's something called a connection card that you can fill out. Let us know a little bit of information about yourself. I promise we're not going to show up at your house 
And, you know, you know how that is. People don't want to give their information. I promise you're not going to do that. We're not going to bombard you with calls, and we're not going to sell your information. <laughs> but we just want to know a little bit about you. Uh, and even if you have a prayer request, even if this is not your first time with us, you can fill that out. Our prayer team, the staff and the elders, we pray over every single prayer request every week. If this is your first time or you've never filled out one of those cards, fill that out. And then on your way out of the service where it says next steps in the back, you can get a free gift from us just to show that we appreciate you for joining us. There are plenty of awesome places in this community to worship. We think we're one of the best and we are glad that you chose to join us. Now, this is your first time we are in week three of a current series called Family Circus. And I can't give you everything that we discussed over the last two weeks, so I'm going to ask you to do this. If you own a smartphone, you can do it right now. I promise you, you're not going to have an usher with a white glove come and take your phone. You can pull it out right now, go to your app store, and download. Go to search Tri-Cities, T-R-I-Cities. Download the mobile app. It is free. You can catch up on all the messages from this series and even from this year. Also, there's a Bible reading plan. There's a calendar. Lots of great stuff that you can keep in touch with what's going on here. And you can actually share that with your friends. And so I'm going to ask you to do this. If you're on social media, go ahead right now. Check in. Let your family and friends know you're at Tri-Cities Church and you're having a good time. And then remember our hashtag for this series. If you have notes or pictures or anything you want to share, hashtag it TCC Family Circus. TCC Family Circus. That way we can go back and see Perhaps some of your notes or something that God said to you, we can share it with everyone else. TCC Family Circus. So we are in week three of this series. And I said this up front that we're talking about family. And we said on week one that we recognize and honor all different types of families. We understand families have changed. There are foster families. There's adoptive families. Then you have people who are your play cousin on your mom's side who's really not your cousin, but they babysitted your auntie who worked for their manager at Sam's. And so you're kind of family. You know what I'm talking about. So whatever family means to you, particularly if it's your nuclear family, and even a lot of this has to do with us as a church family, but we're talking about family, and so I encourage you to go back and listen to those messages. And I told you on week one that oftentimes when we do serious passes on family, we sort of neglect our singles. And so uh, you got to, you know, give your boy some grace because I ain't been single in a long time. <laughs> so, you know, and a lot of pastors that are married, we, we don't know what it's like. Uh, to be single sometimes because some of us have been married for a long time, but I promise you that I wasn't going to leave you out. So here's the deal. For you that are married, I don't want you to check out because you're going to feel like, well, I'm already married. This doesn't apply to me, but I promise you if you have teenagers or you are a coach or you are a, an advisor or a mentor for someone, you're going to want to make sure that you listen to this because we're going to talk about some things that are going to help you parents to help your children navigate if you're single and maybe want to be married again one day or maybe you're divorced, whatever it is, listen up. Don't check out because these are great principles for how to handle a relationship. So I want to stay up front um, when I'm talking about single versus married, I want to give a definition. Uh, so, so when I say single, I mean not married. I know you booed up and you've been dating for three months and you don't consider yourself single, but for the purposes of this message, if you are not married, you are single. No shade on you and your boo. I know y'all got, y'all look, hashtag relationship goals. I know you got all together, but for the purpose of this message, married is married, single is not married. Y'all with me? Just make sure we're on the same page. You know what's interesting about um, this whole thing, and we've been talking 
week one, go back and listen to it. We talked about um, the fact that when there's a circus, there's a person called a ringmaster, and that's the person who wears the red jacket, and everybody in the family sometimes wants to wear the red jacket, and that's the reason why things go wrong. Remember we said this week one, when everyone is right, everything goes wrong. Everybody can't wear the red jacket. There are different roles we talked about last week, and, and no matter what your role is in the family, you're going to play one or two roles. Remember last week we said you're either going to be a keeper or a killer. Go back and listen to that because I can't give you all of that content, but today I want to move from Red jackets to red flags. From red jackets to red flags, because if you're single and maybe one day you want to get married or maybe you have teenagers or you'll have teenagers one day and they're going to date, I want to talk not about red jackets, but I want to talk about red flags because there's something that I learned uh, about the Bible that there's really not a whole lot uh, of information when it comes to how to date. Come on, let's be honest. Like, I've had, I've had couples come to me and say, man, pastor, we want a marriage, we want a family, like the family's in the Bible, and I ask them, have you read the Bible? <laughs> like, there's not a, a lot of really good examples, you know, like Abraham lied and said that his wife was his sister because he didn't want to get in trouble with the Egyptians, you know, stuff like that, like David, he had a problem, you know, the problems that he had in there, Solomon had, it says, you know, 400 wives and 300 concubines, and like, where do they do that at? Like, there's, 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 there's a lots of great stuff to learn, but there's some stuff you can learn in the Bible about what not to do. And so let's be honest, if we want to have some biblical integrity this morning, that some of the families in the Bible struggle to be good examples. And so you learn that there's not a whole lot, honestly, when it comes to dating. Like there's no theology that we can present you with in, in the Bible where it says when you date, look for these things, when you don't, because here's the reason. Because most of the marriages in that time frame, Old Testament and New Testament, were arranged. And so you didn't have to have the pressure of trying to figure out who you should be with. Your family picked for you. Some of y'all looking like, I don't want nobody to pick. Look, you didn't pick good the first time. You probably need some help. <laughs> I mean, come on, let's be real now. You know, you know she was cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, and you probably should have had somebody to help you make that decision when you were dating him. And so maybe there's something to this arranged marriage stuff because... The people who know you the most and know you the best are the ones who can help you to figure out who's not good for you. Which is why I tell people, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I used to tell all the young ladies, run them by me because your boy can spot a snake a mile away. <laughs> no, 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 don't hide your boy from me. Bring him to youth group. Let me smell around. I'm like old yeller. Let me just sniff him out a little bit. And there's, there's four layers that he's got to get through before I approve of this relationship. That's why sometimes you just need some folks around you that can kind of help you discern whether or not this person is good for you or not. We're not trying to be in your business, but come on, we family. I want the best for you. So if you are single, don't just keep your relationship on the side. Bring them to church with you. Let us check them out. Let the elders check them out. Because we want to help you to figure out some stuff not to do. Some of us who are married in here can tell you that there's some mistakes that we made even before we got married that we can kind of help you figure out who's good for you and who's not for you. So, so there's three things that I've learned when it comes to this family circus because one of my favorite acts is the trapeze. You know, you've seen that before, like the people who get up on those high, uh, looks like little swings, and they swing back and forth, and they catch each other and and it's kind of dangerous, but I love it because it's, it's stuff that I would never actually do myself. I like to see other people do scary stuff that I would never do. Because I've learned that experience is a teacher, but it's not the best teacher. It's the hardest teacher. And there's some stuff that I would rather you experience and then you can teach me. And so they, they, they flip around 
on, on those trapeze, and you know, you, you see that one person they'll let go, and, and the other person has to reach out, and the other person has to catch them. And so, I, a couple years ago, I watched some videos on this and watched and listen to people who, who did this for a living, they talked about how they have to train. And there's three particular factors that are needed because I don't know if you know the connection I'm trying to make that sometimes dating and building relationships is a lot like a trapeze act. Because you're swinging and trying to do your thing and then one day, if you want to be married one day, you, you might want to just let go and, and trust somebody else to catch you. But here's one thing that you can learn from the circus. If you are on the trapeze and you're swinging and you're upside down and you're swinging and ready to let go and you look over there and there's a clown on the other side of the trapeze, you might want to not let, okay, because clowns are good for fun, but they're not good for building family. Can I get a what, what? That sometimes you need to be able to understand who's on that other side before you try to let them catch you. And so, so can I just say this before we dive in? Because there's a story that's kind of, it seems strange, but I'm going to, Use some parallels, but can I just say this? One of the things that has happened in the church is that we've made single people feel like, like they're waiting on something. And, and so can I just say this up front, that just because we're talking about singleness, that doesn't mean that you lack anything. As a matter of fact, I think that singles are the baddest people in the church. That's why Paul said, if you don't have to get married, stay single because you can do whatever you want. Can I just, just shout out to my singles and say, you, you're so bad that you get to keep your whole check. Come on now. When you... You're so bad that when you go home, your juice that you put in the refrigerator is still there. That, that both of the sides of the bed are yours. Come on now, you bad. You, you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. You ain't got to check in with nobody. All the food is mine. All the money is mine. Both sides of the bed is mine. I get up, and when I get ready, only the person I got to wait on is me, myself, and I, and we ready to roll. Come on now, singles. You bad, and you don't even know it. And while I love being married, can we just be honest, singles, you got it going on. You don't have to worry about people eating your food and all that stuff, messing up your bathroom. And when you're single, you can drop your stuff on the floor and it's there because I put it there. So shout out to my singles. I never want you to feel like you're less than because you're not married. You're bad. That's why Paul says I'm staying single because I can do more for God if I don't have all of these other obligations. And so here's what you got to learn about this, this trapeze thing. That, because here's the thing. There's no handbook, and, and for, for most of us, even if you're married and you've been dating or whatever it is, most of us have been in a romantic relationship at one point or another. Here's something that's odd. You, you never know when you're falling in love. You just know when you fail. Does, does that make sense? It's like when you're driving and you get lost. You don't know when you got lost. You just know you're lost. It's not like there's a line that you can back up and say, okay, now I'm found. Like you, you drive and all of a sudden you look up and you don't even know you're lost. And sometimes it's like that in a relationship. When you fall in love, you don't even know that you fell. So here's what I like to say that I don't like you to fall in love. I want you to find it. Because it's, it's sort of a thing that you have to decide. Okay, so here's the things that the trapeze artist taught me. I think it's pertinent to building relationships. They said there's three things. If you're going to make that difficult swing and let somebody catch you and you're going to, you're going to do this thing, it is, number one, there's got to be trust. N number two, there's got to be timing. And then number three, and this is where the church has got it wrong, there's got to be some training. See, see, I'd rather do a service like this before you get engaged and say that you want to have premarital counseling because for some folks, 
you, you need some guidelines before you even allow somebody into your personal space. And so there's got to be trust and you're trying to build a relationship. There's got to be timing. The timing has got to be right. Some of us met the right person at the wrong time. And then there's got to be training. Here's what I love to say about family. You, you, can, you don't get to pick your family, but you can pick who you start a family with. And so there's got to be training. The church has got to do a better job that, that we've got to help you to understand how to date with a purpose and a focus. I'm going to say this again, that you need to find love and not fall in love. Because when you fall, you get hurt, don't you? I don't know if you knew this, but love is a decision. And so I, I don't like the term fall in it because that suggests that you had no decision in the matter, that you kind of just fell in it. But I want you to be able to find it and spot it. And so I want to go to this story. It's going to seem sort of odd, but it's going to help us to take this familiar story and to create some guidelines and maybe even more importantly, to discern some red flags. Parents, pay attention if your teenager is not here or if you have a, someone, a child that's going to be a teenager in a couple of years, get this message and save it because it's going to save you some heartache and some headaches. I'm going to go to Jonah chapter 1. Now, we're going to read a lot. Uh, and you've read this story before. You know about, if you grew up in the church, you know about Jonah and the well. And it seems odd to be a relationship sermon. But I want to show you some stuff that's going to help you. So I'm going to read a lot of scriptures, 1 through 17, the entire chapter. And then we're going to break it down and show you how you can make sure that you don't allow yourself to get in a situation that perhaps can be detrimental to you. Jonah chapter 1. Let's start at verse 1. Ready? The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. If you have notes, put that in your notes right now. He went the opposite direction. Then it says that he went down to the port of Joppa and he, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. And he bought a ticket and went on board hoping, watch this, underline this in your Bible, put this in your notes on your phone, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Okay, I got a question. Let me just parenthetically pause. How can you escape God? Even David said, where can I go from your spirit? If I descend to the lower parts of the earth, you're there. If I ascend, you're there. He says, there's nowhere that I can flee from God, that there's nowhere that I can go where God isn't. And Jonah, right off the bat, you know this is going to end bad. He's trying to run away from God. Make sure you remember that because I'm going to come back to that. But the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to break the ship apart. Fearing for their lives, the, the, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. But all this time, Jonah was sound asleep down in the hole. Okay, stop right there. Make a note of that. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this? He shouted, get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. And when they did this, the lots identified Jonah as the culprit. Because the snake will always reveal himself eventually. Why has this awful storm come down to us? Now they have a bunch of questions. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? It seemed like they probably should have asked that before they let him on the... Okay, 
Okay, verse 9. Jonah answered, I'm a Hebrew and I worship, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. And the sailors were terrified when they heard of this, for, they, for he had already told them he was running away from the Lord. Make a note of that. Oh, why did you do it? Okay, here's people who don't even believe in God, who are asking you why you're running from God. And verse 11, and since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, what should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again. I know that this, is ter- this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors rowed even harder to get to the ship to land, but the storm was too violent for them and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin. Okay, some of y'all need to make a note right there that there's some stuff that you got going on in your life because of who you got in your life. And don't hold us responsible for his death. Oh, Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then verse 15, then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. I'll let you interpret that for yourself. Verse 16, the sailors were all struck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. You know that whole part because you had read that part in Sunday school. Okay, so let's go to work. Can I just make, uh, can I just make a, a something synonymous with the ship? Can we just call it, uh, and this is going to be a little bit corny, but it's going to help you remember, let's just call it the relationship. Yeah. That Jonah is running from God and he ends up on or in a relationship. Okay, so now I got to help you understand some stuff that maybe will help you when you're single or when you're trying to teach your children or your, your students about having healthy relationships. So can we just start with this? We said this before. I told you to make a note. It says that Jonah was running in the opposite direction that God wanted him to go. So let me make a disclaimer. I'm not talking about not being friends with people who are not Christians. I'm not talking about having relationships with people who might not believe what you have. But be careful. Watch this about who you let aboard your ship if you know that they're intentionally running from God. Okay, so I'm going to drop something on you. This might be the only thing that you remember parents teach this to your children. You ready for this? Take notes. Runners are ruiners. Be careful when you allow somebody into your intimate space that you know is intentionally running from God. You read the story. God called Jonah and says, I need you to get up and go to this place, Nineveh, and I need you to preach this word. And the text says he got up and went in the opposite direction. Did you notice how much work Jonah put into running from God? It says he got up, he called a ship, he bought a ticket, he packed his stuff, and he did the exact opposite of what God is calling him to do. Can I just tell you, be careful when you're running into people that you know are doing the exact exact opposite of what God wants them to do. Runners, if you don't remember anything else, remember this, write this down, put it in your phone. Parents teach this to your teenagers who are dating. Runners are ruiners. That when you're dealing with somebody in an intimate relationship that you know is intentionally running from God, watch me, they have the potential to ruin your life. Okay, that's hardcore, but I'm just going to tell you the truth this morning. I'm not talking about you can have friends who are not Christian, but I'm talking about when you're trying to get intimate with somebody, that you're building a relationship, that it looks like this might go towards marriage, that you're dating and you're getting serious. Be careful of runners. Because you read the story, right? Jonah's running 
from God. And he ends up in this relationship with these people on the ship. And it says that the sailors began to wonder some stuff about who this man was because all of a sudden he gets aboard their ship and they start having problems that they weren't having before they met him. Okay, somebody, I'm about to bowl down your lane. Have you ever found yourself wondering why you started having trouble that came out of nowhere and maybe it's the company that you keep and you thought, well, surely it couldn't be them and they showed up in your life and then all of a sudden you find yourself in a storm. And can I just say something? These were experienced sailors. Okay, they did this for a living. They, they know how to handle a storm. Come on, they're not novices. They did this for a living. They ship cargo back and forth like we've been in storms before. We know something about this, but you know why we know this story? Because this storm was different than any storm that they had ever experienced in their life. Okay, now I'm bowling. Because there's some stuff you know how to handle. You know how to handle certain stuff. You know how to handle when your bills are low. You know how to handle when stuff happens on the job, when something pops off. You know how to handle that storm. But have you ever encountered a storm that is so different than what you've ever experienced? And you wonder, where the heck did that come from? Can I just, can I give you some advice? Lean in. You might be dealing with a runner. Check your circle. Check who you're allowing to influence your life. Check who you're allowing to speak into your life. Remember, I'm not talking about not having friends who are not Christian. I'm talking about we're dating. We're, we're intimate. Come on, teach this to your kids' parents they're, that they're dating someone in high school. They're going and you start to sniff some out and stuff starts happening. Come on now, their grades start slipping and, and they start skipping school and all these attitude problems and all of a sudden this stuff that I've never had to deal with with my child before. Can I just tell you, you might be dealing with a runner. Runners, if you're not careful, have the potential to ruin your life. That's why it's some red flags that we got to understand in this story. Okay, so I'm going to give you just a couple of the verses and raise some red flags and raise some things that'll help you if you're single or if you want to teach your students or your children how to have great relationships. Check this out. Number one, you got to ask some questions. Okay, y'all missed it because you remember it says that uh, the sailors started asking, verse 8, why did this awful storm come down on us? They demanded, who are you? What is your line of work? They're trying to figure out who this man is. Can I just tell you, before you let somebody aboard your ship, you better ask some questions. That, That they didn't really know anything about this guy. He just jumped on the ship. He's running from God. And we're minding our own business, and all of a sudden, we are dealing with stuff that we've never had to deal with before, and they let him into their intimate space without knowing enough about him. Okay, I'm old school. That's why I say you got to run him past me. I don't care how grown you are. Run him past your pastor. Well, pastor, I'm 40 years old. I don't care. I'm your pastor. I care about you. Let us ask some questions. Because this guy was running from God in the opposite direction. He got aboard their ship. So can I just say this? Uh, Ask questions, but always be alert. Before you get into a relationship, make sure they are going the right way. Come on, now the text told us, you knew it right before. If you didn't know anything about the story of Jonah, the moment I read the part where it says he did exactly opposite of what God wanted him to do, you knew it was about to be trouble. Okay, so can I just ask you a question? If we know that about Jonah, why don't we know that about the people we're dealing with? 
if you know, like I'm talking about, like you know this person, you know their lifestyle, you know what they're doing, and it's cool to be associated with them. It's cool. God wants us to be salt and light. I'm talking about you get into an intimate relationship. Your child is dating someone. You know they're running away from God, and, and you got to be alert. you you got to pay attention to which direction they're going. Can I just say this to you? Just because they're going the same direction as you, don't, don't miss this, doesn't mean they're headed the right way. You know why this is important? Y'all don't mind if I just teach. Because I used to do youth ministry and young adult ministry and had all these kids they were dating. Some of them are married now, some of them are divorced now, some of them have had bad experience. And I always just say just because they're going the same way as you doesn't mean they're going the right direction. Because there's a specific direction that God wanted Jonah to go. Why is that important? Because he was going the same way as the sailors. But that wasn't the direction he was supposed to go. Okay, make it plain, Pastor. Just because he comes to church with you. doesn't mean that he's doing what God told him to do or her to do. You know, I know that because, can I just be honest, guys can be slick. Come on, young ladies, lean in. And they can go to church with you. They'll go to new members class. They'll take all the parts of whatever the church asked them to do. They'll sing on the praise team. and And it looks like they're going the same direction. But if that's not the direction that God has told them to go, Jonah was headed the same place they were, but it wasn't the place he was supposed to go. Be careful. When you're looking at the direction somebody's life is headed, Make sure it's the direction that it's supposed to be headed. Just because they're doing everything that you do doesn't mean, watch me, they believe everything you believe. Can I just be honest? I was one of those dudes. <laughs> Come on now, we can, we can be honest. Some of us who grew up in church and you group, were we not? Come on, this is real. We're going to be real this morning. Were you not just going there to find out who you could hook up with? Okay, see, see, y'all not going to tell the truth. I got a couple people, thank you, Paul, that's going to tell the truth. <laughs> Can I just tell you, the game ain't changed, only the players have changed. So, so can I just help you, parents, singles, be careful. Because he was going the same direction they were going, but it wasn't the direction God called him to go. We got to do some investigation. We got to figure this out. Can I just say this? Some people are strategic at playing you. Some people, all they do is wake up in the morning trying to find out who I can play today. And some of them have so much stick to that they'll do everything. That's a word. Look it up. <laughs> some of y'all are Googling it right now. Is that a word? Some of them have so much stick that they will do all the right stuff for a length of time just to get you to feel like they are going the same direction. Be careful. Runners can be ruiners. Okay, so I, I, I just want to highlight a couple of things that may be helpful for you. Because if you read the story again and read it again when you go home, it kind of gives some things that, that will help you to understand that there's a shipwreck. Did, did you catch what it says? That when he got on the ship, that, that all of a sudden that there were uh, verse 4, I'll read it again for you. It says that, but the Lord hurled a powerful wind over the sea, watch this, causing a violent storm that threatened to break apart the ship. Now I'm going to say something in this real, and maybe we don't talk about this enough in church, but anytime you're in a relationship, 
And things started to get violent. And things started to be threatening. You might be dealing with a runner. Can I just say this? This is real because nobody talks about this. Most cases of domestic violence between spouses or those in a relationship started, listen to me, parents, in the teenage years. That's why it's important. You've got to teach your kids that any time that they're dealing with someone and they are feeling threatened or they are feeling that there are acts of violence, not even physical violence, emotional violence, mental violence, that they need to be careful about who they're dealing with because they may be dealing with somebody who's running from God. Never allow yourself, because remember I said we're not talking about red jackets, we're talking about red flags, to be in a relationship where you feel threatened. It said that when he got on the ship, all of a sudden things got violent, and the wind and the waves were threatening to, watch this, break up the ship. Okay, young people, lean in. Parents, if your child's not here, lean in. Be careful when you're dating someone who's always threatening to break up with you. Be careful when they're always threatening to leave you. I'm, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave you. If, you. if you don't give me what I want, I'm going to leave you. I'm, and I'm always threatening you and pressuring you to do what I want. Girl, if you don't go to bed with me, then I'm not going to be with you anymore. And, and if you don't do this, I, come on now, can I talk real this morning? Be careful when you're dealing with somebody who's running from God because they have the potential to ruin your life. And it says that they got on the ship and all of a sudden things were going fine and there was violence and there were threats. Why is that important? And I got to say this. I got to be 100 with you this morning. There's a case, all of us know it, about the Stanford swimmer who got caught sexually assaulting a young girl and recently got off. And one of her, his accuser, came forward and and said, uh, I was the one that he sexually assaulted. Okay, so can we talk about this in church? Parents, please teach your children to be on the lookout for predators for people who do things to them and do things around them and say things around them. Teach your children how to watch out for red flags. And as, as difficult as it is to watch him get a six-month sentence, here's what I want to teach our young people, particularly our young boys. That we have to, as a church, I'm going to be real this morning, I'm talking good stuff, come on now. We have to teach our young boys not just how to behave around women, watch this, but what to believe about women. That they are made in the image of God and they are not objects for your desire. No means no. And teach them that you don't have to give in to anything that somebody is trying to get you to do just because they're threatening you. You got to teach them. Because we've done a an okay job of teaching them how to behave but I really think the issue is not just how they behave is that we got to teach them what to believe that God created them in his image just like he created and you don't get to decide to tarnish the image of God in his creation you need to learn what to believe about so so young fellas come on now you got to be a gentleman no means no keep your hands to yourself Am I talking good? I know this is tight, but we got we to gotta teach. We got to teach them. So, so, so number one, we, we got to be careful. We got to be alert. We got to understand that when there's any threats of violence that, or, or there's threats, it's probably not a relationship that you need to stick with. Parents, watch out for that. 
Watch out for how somebody has your kids going up and down emotionally, playing with their head. Can I just say this is not even my notes. Watch what your kids are doing online. Watch who they're talking to. Watch their moods as they change because they've been online and all of a sudden they have a different mood and something's going on in their life and and you don't quite know what it is. They might be dealing with someone who's running from God. So be careful of threats and violence. Here's another thing, another red flag. It says that, verse 5, I want you to to look at this again, verse 5. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help. Watch this. And threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. Okay, some of y'all just missed it. You ever been in a relationship where you feel like you're losing? Come on now, this is what they did for a living. This is their cargo. This is how they ate. This is how they took care of their families. This is their livelihood. And now, because I got you aboard my ship, I'm losing stuff. Come on now. Be careful when your child's grades start slipping. Be careful when they start losing integrity. Be careful when somebody's causing you to lose. Come on now. Some of you have been in relationships, you know what I'm talking about, where you lost peace, where you lost sleep where you lost tears, where you lost a lot of stuff. Can I just tell you, be careful when you're connected to someone who makes you feel like you're losing. It says that they were doing fine until this joker got on their ship and all of a sudden they're getting rid of their stuff, that their livelihood, how they eat because of one person. Be careful when you start feeling like you're losing, you're, you're losing sleep. You're losing yourself. One of the things I used to teach our young kids is that if you're not yourself, you can't be somebody else. So that makes you a nobody. Okay. Never give up who you are, what you believe, and how you were raised, and all of your values and your ethics for somebody else to be aboard your ship, for you to wake up one day and look in the mirror and say, I don't even recognize myself. They got me all of my feelings about stuff that don't normally bother me, stuff that never bothered you before is now irritating you and you're not yourself. Be careful when you let somebody aboard your ship. Before you're willing to let go and let somebody catch you, make sure that in that relationship you don't feel like you're a loser. It says that he got on the ship and they started losing stuff. Y- y'all with me? I know this is heavy. Verse 6, I want to unpack this verse 6 and then, then we're going to press through. Verse 6. So it says that, be careful when you're losing stuff. Verse 6, so the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. And get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will pay attention to us and spare our lives. Okay, some of y'all just missed it. Have you ever had somebody in your life that didn't care when you were in a crisis? Okay, Jonah's on the ship. And it says that there's, the, the storm is violent. It's threatening to break up the ship. They're up top losing stuff. And what did it say the text says? This joker is down in the bottom of the ship sleeping. Okay, come on now. I can do bad all by myself. I don't need somebody in my life who's watching me struggle, who's watching me suffer, who's watching me go through stuff, who's watching me struggle with this, and they're sleeping on me. You better find somebody in your life, watch this, who cares just as much about your success as you do. I don't get it. He got aboard their ship and was sleeping while they were struggling. I got to tell you, if you have somebody who is 
intentionally watch you go down. And it's not praying for you, has not offered to help you, has not offered to come by your side, has not offered you so much as a hug. Be careful, you might be dealing with a runner. Because a real relationship means that if I see you struggling, I'm going to come alongside you. That's what the church is. That's, that's what Christianity is. That's what community is, that I can't watch you struggling. I can't watch you drowning. I can't watch you suffering. I can't watch you grieving and not say something. Be careful when you have people around you who can watch you slowly dying inside and do nothing about it. Parents, be careful. When you have children in your children's life who are watching them go down, and they act like they don't even care. You're not even friend enough to help me out. It says that Jonah got on the ship and the, and the captain said, how are you going to sleep when we up here about to die? M- maybe that's a red flag. Okay, so, so let, me, let me wrap it up with this. Now you got to start to decide uh, the now what. So, so remember verse 8 when it says that they started asking all the questions. I started with that. The now what is... When you're dealing with a relationship, singles, parents, even if it's a platonic relationship, ask questions. Develop some integrity on the front side of the relationship. I had a young girl years ago uh, that she got married and then her and her husband were having problems. And so I started to to, uh, counsel them and I asked her this, uh, and I usually ask this whenever there's trouble, especially if they're young, tell me how you first met. Well, you know, Pastor, we were in school and... She's telling a story, I'm listening, and I'm just listening for red flags. And then she said, you know, and then I skipped class. I said, stop. You did what? Yeah, well, I skipped the class with him one day, and then we went somewhere. And I said, so you mean to tell me that he had you compromising your integrity from the very beginning of the relationship, and now you're wondering why he's cheating? Can I just tell you something? People can change, but thank you, my Angelou. When people show you who they are, believe them. You better ask some questions. Where you go to church? Who your pastor? What they talking about? Y'all do small groups? You do Bible study. When do y'all take communion? Where's your mom and them from? Let me get your fingerprint. Can I get a blood sample? Can I get a retina scan? You better ask some questions. I need your social security number. I need your tax score, your credit score. I need to know something about you because you're not about to get on my ship and I don't know nothing about you. How can we... Develop what I call, this is my last thing, what I call 3D dating. You ready? Because remember, if you don't remember anything else, I know it threw a lot on you. If you don't remember anything else, runners are ruiners. I promise you, if you deal with anybody that you know is intentionally running away from God, eventually it's going to have the potential to ruin your life. Here are men who are watching their minding their own business and whole life got ruined because they let one person aboard the ship that they didn't ask questions. They didn't have any discernment. They let them aboard the ship. Watch this. They let go and they let themselves be caught by a clown. Some of y'all missed it. You get on the way home. Okay, so here's 3D dating. Here's what I got to do. Then we'll roll out. This is what I call 3D dating. I I developed this a long time ago when I was dealing with youth and young adults. Number one, decide your criteria and stick to it. Can I just say this? Lean in. Look at me. Look at your pastor. Decide what's important to you 
and by no means never let anyone lower your standards. So I tell people, I'm not stuck up, I just got standards. I'm not arrogant, I just know that I got standards. There, there are certain things that I'm just not going to do. I just believe that there are certain things that my kids are not going to do. There are certain places that my kids are not allowed to go. There are certain people that I don't let them to hang out with. I'm not arrogant, I'm not stuck up, I don't think I'm better, I'm just different. And sometimes you just have to decide, if I'm going to deal with you, I got to know you got a relationship with Jesus, I got to know that you're on the right path. You ain't got to be perfect, but you got to want something. I tell people all the time, you don't have to have everything, but you at least got to want something to hang out with me. Like, you got to want to do better. You got to want to progress. I don't, I don't hate on nobody. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have. This is not about that. But I just need some people in my circle that want to do better, that want to go the same direction I'm going, that want to do better in life, that want to get closer to God, that want to be good fathers, that want to be good husbands. I don't even hang out with other preachers that I know have no desire to be good to their own family. I just need to know that you want to be better. Decide your criteria and stick to it. Don't you ever let somebody cause you to drop your standards. I don't care if you go to your grave single and you want to be married. Never lower your standards. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God doesn't make junk, so don't let other people treat you like that. What's your standards? Decide it and stick to it. If your standards is you got to go to church every week, stick to it. Because you know how we are. Some of us are older, single. You know, it's like, child, you know how you're, when you're young, you have all these ideas. I, I wanted to be six foot four, dark, brown eyes, and he got to go to church, and he got to be saved. And, he gotta, and then by the time you get 35, child, I just want him to go once a month. <laughs> if at least he go on Easter and Christmas, we can work with that. Don't lower your standards. If it's every week, let it be every week. Whatever it is that's important to you that helps you to discern if that's somebody who should be in your life, develop your criteria and stick to it. Parents, help your children develop some criteria for if you're going to be on my ship, this is how my family rolls. We tell our boys all the time, I don't care what your friends do. This is how we operate in the hardwood counts. These are our standards. I'm not saying you can't be friends with them, but no, you can't go there because I don't really know about their parents. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they got in their house. I don't know what they believe. If they're going to hang out, they can come to our house. Develop your criteria and stick to it. Here's the second thing. Develop a screening process. Some of y'all don't like that. I told you up front. That's why marriages work in the first century because they were arranged. So I don't want nobody picking for me. Come on now. You know you're not that good a judge of character. Everybody treats you like a doormat. Walk off. Come on, let's just be honest. You're so loving and so tenderhearted and so open. You think everybody means you well. You need to get some pit bulls around you like me who can say, nah, baby, that ain't the one right there. You need somebody at the gate that you can let me off the leash. No, no, no. No, 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 no. He not the one. No, no, no. Then you go back and say, my pastor said you not the one. Come on now, because you love everybody. You just believe everybody's going to do you right, and everybody's doing the right thing. Some of you are so tenderhearted. Can I just tell you, get a screening process. Bring them around your family. Bring them around your church family. Bring them around people who believe what you believe. Let us sniff them out. Let us sniff her out. We'll tell you real quick whether or not this person is running from God. Develop a screening process. I know you've grown. You don't want nobody telling you what to do, but can I just tell you, if you had that the first time, it might have worked. 
Get some people in your life that's going to help you make wise decisions about who gets to be on your ship. Before you let go of that trapeze and let somebody catch you, make sure that it's somebody you can trust. Here's the last thing, and then we're done. Date with a destination. Here's the question you got to ask yourself. Where is God taking me? Because more important than giving up your life to someone else, and can I just tell you, marriage is beautiful. But can I also just tell you this? When the Bible talks about two will become one, you do realize that's mathematically impossible, right? So it takes something supernatural to happen in order for that warning process to take place. So, so marriage is beautiful, but don't jump in it with anybody. Decide where you're going. And then put yourself in position to meet people who may be going the same direction and should be going that way. Come on, parents, I need you to teach this to your kids when they're young. Because, see, the church don't train us like this. Nobody told me this when I was young. What is it that you feel like God is calling you to do? And more importantly, who is it that God is calling you to be? And when you start heading in that direction, you'll start finding that there are other people who are headed in the right direction that you can be comfortable with, associating with, to the degree where it might turn into a romantic relationship. But don't ever lower your standards. You with me? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just helping us to unpack what can sometimes be a very difficult subject because, God, honestly, nobody's ever taught us what to do when we're dating. The church talks about being married, what it means to be married, how we should behave when we're married, but nobody's really taught most of us the pathway to that. And so, God, I'm praying that in a world where uh, it seems like boundaries are being crossed uh, morally, sexually, uh, sometimes there are things that happen on college dorms and in high schools where kids have never been taught how to appropriately interact with one another. And then we grow up to be adults who don't know how to appropriately interact with one another. God, help us as Christians to develop some sort of process and some sort of standards that we can live by and that we can teach our children when it comes to dating, when it comes to romantic relationships. And so, God, I pray that you just help us to understand that while we are called to be salt and light, where we are called to engage those who don't believe what we believe, while we are called to witness to those, and that means surrounding ourselves with people who don't believe, God, you also call us to be very cautious and very careful about hooking up with people who are intentionally running away from you. And so, God, I pray that if anything was heard this morning, that we heard that there are things that we should be mindful of when we are allowing ourselves to enter into romantic relationships. There are things that we should be mindful of when we are helping our children to decide who it is that they should date and marry. And so, God, we just want to be on the lookout because ultimately we want to make sure that we end up where you're calling us to go. And that means that we got to be careful about who we're willing to trust when we let go and who we're willing to allow aboard our personal ship, our personal space. And so, God, we pray that um, you will continue to allow your love to be what leads us and what guides us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.